And I thank you for being a blessing to us week after week. I always look forward to Thanksgiving. It is a unique celebration. There is no battle to commemorate, no birthday to celebrate. There is no anniversary to remember. It is simply a day that is set aside in which we give thanks to God. In 1789, George Washington issued a proclamation that said, By the President of the United States of America, a proclamation, whereas it is the duty of all nations to acknowledge the providence of Almighty God, to obey His will, to be grateful for His benefits, and humbly to implore His protection and favor, and whereas both houses of Congress have by their joint committee requested me to recommend to the United States a day of public thanksgiving and prayer. I think that it is important we set aside a day in which we give thanks to God, perhaps when we are simply reminded of God's goodness to us. It is important that we set aside that day because thankfulness is not natural. It is not something that happens automatically. Even these precious children we saw up here earlier are selfish. Now, if you have a little child, you know that it might be 2.30 in the morning when they are hungry. And they are not concerned that you are sound asleep or that you might be sick or that you are tired or that you have been up for three days, if they are hungry, they really don't care. They just want you to get up and feed them. And then when our children get older and they go off to school and forget their book or they forget their homework, they think nothing of asking you to adjust your schedule to bail them out because basically they are selfish. Fulton Sheen wrote a very interesting phenomenon in children is that gratitude or thankfulness comes relatively late in their young lives. They almost have to be taught. If not, they are apt to grow up thinking that the world owes them a living. Thus, thanksgiving is a conscious act of the will. Ladies and gentlemen, if you are thankful, it's because you decided to be thankful. That is the reason some people that we would not expect to be thankful are, and some people who seem to have so much and yet they are not grateful are not. It is a matter of the will. I remember when I was in Cuba, and I had the opportunity of preaching at the seminary there and being with some of the pastors and so forth. I was with one pastor and his family in their house, which was the education building of the church. They lived there in a couple of classrooms. But as we shared beans and rice together, I was touched by the fact that they were so grateful for what they had and so generous in sharing what they had. I have through my life asked the Lord to make me a grateful person. That is one thing I have wanted to be. And the Lord has done that.
I am overwhelmed by His goodness. And just like Steve was praying earlier, Lord, thank you for the privilege of being up here. I have asked the Lord to make me grateful. And ladies and gentlemen, that is something we all should do. God, give me a grateful heart. Take your Bibles, turn with me to Psalm 111, verse number 1. And what I'm going to do today is to give you three steps to gratitude. Praise the Lord. I will give thanks to the Lord with all my heart. In the company of the upright and in the assembly, great are the works of the Lord. They are studied by all who delight in them. Splendid and majestic is His work, and His righteousness endures forever. He has made His wonders to be remembered. The Lord is gracious and compassionate. He has given food to those who fear Him. He will remember His covenant forever. He has made known to His people the power of His works in giving them the heritage of the nations. The works of His hands are truth and justice. All His precepts are sure. They are upheld forever and ever. They are performed in truth and uprightness. He has sent redemption to His people. He has ordained His covenant forever. Holy and awesome is His name. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. A good understanding have all those who do His commandments. His praise endures forever. Three steps to gratitude. Step number one, be grateful for what you have. Neil Strait wrote, He who forgets the language of gratitude can never be on speaking terms with happiness. If you are going to be a grateful person, then you have to be grateful for what you have. And our example is Jesus. Jesus was carrying the cross to Calvary when He encountered some women who were weeping for Him. And He said, But Jesus turning to them said, Daughters of Jerusalem... Stop weeping for me. Now, where did that serenity of heart come from? How was Jesus, who was carrying his cross to die on Calvary, how did he have such serenity of life that he was able to say to them, Don't weep for me. Everything is fine. Where did that come from? Well, when I look at his life, I notice the first thing is that he lived all his life within the will of the Father. In fact, when we first uh, see Jesus, or Jesus first speaks in Scripture, He has been taken by His family to the temple. He is 12 years old. You recall the story how they had left Him. They forgot Him somehow. They went for a while, and then they came back to find Him, worried, sick, because they didn't know where He was. And in Luke 2:49, And He said to them, Why is it that you are looking for Me? Did you not know that I had to be in my Father's house? Why are you looking for me? Did you not know that I must be about my Father's business? His first recorded word speaks of the fact that he was committed to the will of the Father. And then as an adult in the Garden of Gethsemane, when he was praying, facing the cross again, he expressed his commitment to the will of the Father. In Luke twenty-two forty-two, Father... If thou art willing, remove this cup from me, yet not my will, but thine be done. When I look at Jesus, I have to ask the question, 
where did that serenity of spirit come from? And I believe, first of all, it's because he was committed to the will of the Father and he lived a life of purity. Now, there were charges brought against Jesus. You, you know the story in Luke chapter 23, verse 2. And they began to accuse him, saying, We have found this man misleading our nation and forbidding to pay taxes to Caesar and saying that he himself is Christ the King. There were false witnesses who came and said that he had not lived a pure life. Pilate thoroughly interrogated Jesus and concluded that he was innocent of all charges. And so the Bible says in Luke 23, And Pilate summoned the chief priest and the rulers and the people and said to them, You brought this man to me as one who incites the people to rebellion? And behold, I have found no guilt in this man regarding the charges which you make against him. So as I look at Jesus, our example... Don't weep for me. Where did he get that confidence? Well, I think that it came because he lived his life committed to the will of the Father. He lived a life of purity. He lived in strength of character. He lived a life of courage because of that, even to the extent that the Roman centurion who watched him die remarked, truly, this man was the Son of God. I have never seen anyone die with such peace. Truly, this man was the Son of God, and he lived with compassion because the cross never crushed his compassion. Charles Wesley wrote, Jesus, thou art all compassion, pure, unbounded love thou art. Jesus is our example, and he focused on what he had, not what was happening. What about you? Gratitude focuses, or gratitude comes to us when we focus on what we have, not what we don't have. What do you have? Well, you have life. Sometimes I'm not sure, but generally speaking, you have life. Bill Cosby has a new book out. I didn't ask to be born, but I'm glad I was. Now, I don't know what the book is about, but I like the title. I didn't ask to be born, but I'm glad I was. Are you glad that you were born? Zig Ziglar has been a friend of mine for a long time. You asked Zig, Zig, how are you doing? He said, great, but getting better. Do you have that kind of spirit? I'm thankful for life. I'm thankful that the Lord let me be born. I am. Sometimes I have to pinch myself. I cannot believe. In fact, who was I talking with on the on the Way, Margaret. I was talking to Margaret on the way over here. And we were talking about how good God has been to us. He has blessed us beyond anything I would ever have requested because I wouldn't have known enough to request it. What do you have? Well, you have life. God has blessed you with life. You have family. And I know that that can be a mixed blessing. Might be a blessing, might not be a blessing. You've heard the story about the old, the, the couple were driving down the road. They were fighting back and forth and back and forth. And as they drove along out in the countryside, he looked over in the pasture and there was an old mule standing out there all bent over. He punched her and said, relative of yours? And she said, yes, my marriage. We all have those characters in our family. 
But aren't you glad? My, my brother, who's gone to be with the Lord, that, one of the reasons I miss him is because he was such a character. I, I don't know if I've told you this or not, but when he, he told me, you know, when you have, he's a window, when you have grandchildren, you always have to have the parents thinking you're somewhat incompetent or they will leave them with you. <laughs> and so once he had this little grandson and, and, uh, his daughter had gone shopping and left Josh with my brother Glenn and said, I'll be back at four. And so he, he began waiting for her to come back. And he would look at four o'clock. He would look and he could see her car coming from a distance. And when he saw her car, he took Josh and took all of his clothes off and put him out in the front yard. <laughs> and then he lay down pretending that he was asleep. Well, Tanya came in. She found Josh out in the front yard. She picked him up, brought him in. Furious, she woke my brother up and said, where is Josh? He said, well, I don't know. He's around here someplace. She said, no, he's not. He was out in the yard naked. Well, you have to do those things. We all have those people. We have those people in our families that are just a little off. But we're thankful for them. I'm, I'm thankful for I'm thankful for my family. Aren't you thankful? I mean, even those strange members of your family. I'm thankful for family. And if you know the Lord, then you can be thankful that you are saved and that you are secure in Him. In 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 12, it says, For I know whom I have believed, and I am convinced that He is able to guard what I have entrusted to Him until that day. What do you have? You have security. You have hope for the future. Folks, our, our hope for the future, and, and we all struggle with this, I'm afraid, is that we get to thinking that our hope is in who is elected as president or who is elected to Congress. We, we begin to think that our hope is in the stock market, and if it's up, then I'm hopeful. If it's down, then I'm not hopeful. Our hope is in our batting average or something else that we are doing. No. Ladies and gentlemen, our hope is in Jesus. And we have hope for the future because of Jesus. He is on His throne, and it matters not what else is going on. It matters not what else is falling apart. We can have hope if our hope is in Christ. And then we have fellowship. As believers, we have fellowship with God. You know, when Jesus died on the cross and the, and the veil in the temple was rent from the top to the bottom, that symbolizes that we have fellowship with God, that we can come to Him and fellowship with Him in prayer, in song. We can, we can fellowship with God. But then we also have the opportunity to fellowship with the people of God. I, I truly look forward to Sunday mornings. When I can come and just be with you and watch you. And I do. I sit up here and just watch. And thank the Lord for you. Sometimes when I'm up here and I look out and I see some of you and Jim. And uh, I just say, Lord, thank you for old Jim. Thank you for, for various people. We have the opportunity to fellowship together. I've had people to say to me, well, don't you get lost in a big church? I said, we can if you want to. But all it really means is that you have more people to fellowship with. You just have more people that you can spend your time and your life with. So, do you want to be grateful? Do you want to be a thankful person? Well, first of all, you have to be thankful for what you have, not what's happening. If you're waiting for something else to be thankful, then you're never going to be thankful. 
You have to start right where you are. Be thankful for what you have. Secondly, praise Him for who He is. In verse 1, praise the Lord. I will give thanks to the Lord with all my heart. Jesus sat down with the disciples on an occasion. He says, who do people say that I am? Well, we know that He was divine, but He was also human. Because the Bible says in Philippians 2.7, He emptied Himself, taking the form of a bondservant and being made in the likeness of men. Now, Jesus is divine. We know that. We know about His deity. But it's in His humanity that He identifies with us and we are able to identify with Him. It is in His humanity that He identifies with us spiritually. Jesus prayed. In the Old Testament, God the Father never prayed, but Jesus prays. And you and I pray, so He identifies with us spiritually. He identifies with us physically. When He scratched Himself, He bled. When He, when he stubbed His toe, it turned black and blue. He knew what it was to be tired. The Bible says when He was at Jacob's well that being wearied from His journey, He was tired. Do you ever think of Jesus being tired? He walked everywhere. He was tired. He knew what it was to be hungry. When he was there at Jacob's well, he sent the disciples to get food because they were hungry. He identifies with us physically. Whatever you're going through, he identifies with you physically. He identifies with you spiritually. He identifies with us intellectually. The Scripture says in Hebrews 5.8, Although he was a son, he learned obedience from the things which he suffered. Did you note that? He learned obedience through the things which he suffered. So Jesus learned to be obedient through suffering. And you and I also learn obedience through suffering. He identifies with us emotionally. Jesus was angry. When he went into the temple and saw the money changers and how they had desecrated the, the temple of God, the Bible says that he overthrew the, the tables. He, he was angry. He knew what it was to be angry. He knew what it was to be disappointed. When Jesus went to the Garden of Gethsemane and his disciples were taken with him and they went to sleep and he came back and he said, couldn't you stay awake for an hour and pray with me? He knew what it was to be disappointed in people. He knew what it was to be grieved. When his friend Lazarus died, the Bible says that Jesus wept. So there is a, an ident identification with Jesus in his humanity. But Jesus was more. When the question was asked of the disciples, who do people say that I am? Peter replied, thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God. Yes, he was in human form, the Bible says. And we are able to relate to him in his human form. But he was more. He was God. And every book of the Bible speaks of the more of Jesus. In Genesis, he was the promised one. In Exodus, he was the Passover lamb. In Leviticus, he was our atoning sacrifice. In Numbers, he was the star of Jacob. In Deuteronomy, he is the coming prophet. In Joshua, he was the commander of the Lord's army. In Judges, he was the ultimate judge. And to us, he's more, is he not? He's more. He's a Savior. Jesus gave his life that you and I might have life. 
He went to the cross and took our sins upon Himself that He might forgive us of our sin. He is our Savior. And believe it or not, the Bible says He is our friend. The song says, No one ever cared for me like Jesus. There's no other friend as kind as He. No one else could take the sin and darkness from me. Oh, how much He cares for me. You want to be grateful? Be thankful for what you have. Do you want to be grateful? Praise Him for who He is. He is God. Thirdly, trust Him for what you don't have. In verse number 5b, He says, He will remember His covenant forever. We're grateful for what we have and we trust Him for what we don't have. That means then that we trust Him when there is no basis for gratitude. Do you? You trust Him when there's no basis for that trust? There's nothing to indicate you should trust Him? Stephen did. When Stephen was being stoned to death, he nevertheless trusted the Lord. The Bible says in Acts 7:59, And they went on stoning Stephen as he called upon the Lord and said, Lord Jesus, receive my spirit. Even as they were beating the life out of Stephen, he nevertheless trusted in the Lord. Paul and Silas trusted Jesus when they had no reason to. They were in prison, and the Bible says, but about midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns of praise to God. They knew who he was. And about midnight, though they were in a prison, they were nevertheless praising the Lord, trusting in Him. Job, he trusted God during his time of suffering. The Scripture said in Job 13, 15, though he slay me, I will hope in Him. Folks, let me just encourage you today to trust in the Lord. You might not have a job. You might have problems within the family. Your health might be an issue, but you can trust Him. We trust Him even when there is nothing to indicate that we should trust Him because we know He has promised He will meet our needs. The Scripture says in Philippians 4.19, And my God shall supply all your needs according to His riches in glory in Christ Jesus. Now, what is it that you need that Jesus meets Because He has promised to meet our needs according to His riches and glory. Now, what is it that we need? We need love. We we need someone to love. And the Lord has placed people all around you who are worthy of your love. Do you love the people around you? Do you love the people in your neighborhood? Do you love the members of your family? You see, we need someone to love and He has given us people to love. And then we need someone to love us unconditionally. And the Bible says, For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son, that whoever believes in Him should not perish but have everlasting life. So what does He provide for us? He provides love for us. He provides purpose. It's sad to me when I see someone going through life, and, and, they, and especially whenever they get older, And they've never figured out what the purpose of life is. Do you want purpose in life? Then, my dear friend, you'll find purpose in Jesus. He gives us purpose in life. He gives us friends because He is the friend who sticks closer than a brother. He gives us strength 
to live and to die. One of my favorite stories is the story of Polycarp, who was um, the disciple of the Apostle John. And he lived during the time of the Roman Empire, and once a year, because of Caesar worship, all citizens were required to burn a pinch of incense and make the statement, Caesar is Lord. Polycarp had not done that. He was a devout Christian. He had not done that. The Roman soldiers came to him, and they said, Polycarp, you have to do this. And he said, no. And they said, you don't even have to mean it. You're an old man. You don't even have to mean it. Just do it, and we will leave you. To which Polycarp replied, These eighty and six years have I been a Christian. Never once has my Savior failed me. I'll not fail him now. And he didn't. You see, that, that's the kind of strength that God gives us. Now, you possibly are like I am. I, I, I say, Lord, if I am really pressured, am I going to be faithful to you? And I trust that God will give me the strength that I need to be faithful to him, even when I don't think that I can. He gives us strength. And he gives us salvation. Salvation is free. The Bible tells us that it is the gift of God. It comes in faith, for by grace are you saved through faith, and that not of yourself. And it lasts forever, because nothing can separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus, our Lord. Only Jesus brings satisfaction to the soul. This Thanksgiving, do you want to be a grateful person to live a life of gratitude? Well, be grateful for what you have. Just pause to think of what you have and be grateful for what you have. And then be thankful for who He is. He is God in human form and we can identify with Him. And then be grateful for what we don't have because we have everything in Him. Do you want to be a grateful person? Those are the three steps. Be thankful for what you have. Praise Him for who He is. And trust Him for what you don't have. Our gracious Father in God, we thank You so much for Your goodness, for Your blessings, for Your kindness, for Your generosity. Lord, for the freedoms that we have, we could go on and on because You're so good to us. And Lord, I'm grateful today for an opportunity in Your name to extend an invitation for people to trust Jesus, for people to join this church. Lord, I pray that they might respond with hearts of gratitude and obedience. I pray in Christ's name, amen. Well, in just a moment, we're going to stand. The choir is going to sing a hymn of invitation, an opportunity for you to say yes to the Lord. If you're here without Christ, commit your life to Him. If you're looking for a church home, my doors are open to you. Stand with me, please, as we stand. They sing as they sing. You come, I'll greet you as you do.